I'm Mike. Um, Mike Holmes, Cass is up here giving testimony. She's my wife. Um, we have two boys, and we want to welcome everybody, especially the online right now. Um, this is something that's really stretching me. <laughs> as you all know, this, as Cass said, it's the first time I've ever done this. And um, this week has been a rough week for me. <laughs> I, feel re- I feel revival, I do. But when we started this week, we blowed up a power amp. Uh, just, just to let you know what's going on. <laughs> Come up here the other day, the keyboard quit on the computer. So don't think the devil ain't at work trying to stop what's going on in this church. And we're not going to allow it to happen in this place. We're going to lift the name of Jesus up. And we're going to run him out of town is what we're going to do. And I'm on fire. I am. I'm a nervous wreck. I ain't going to lie about it. But I'm on fire for Jesus. Standing down there. I got my little boy. And I look over. He's worshiping God. And I can't. I can't take it. God is so good. He is so good. And I just want to welcome you all. And um, sorry. I did that. That was me. <laughs> so I uh, just want to welcome everybody. And um so I've got a couple questions I'm going to start with tonight. I want to ask you if, if you ever really lost something that was really valuable to you. I want you to just think about that for a second. I know I have. Have you ever really lost? Sorry. It might be me doing it. Um, how do you feel when you, when you lose that in that moment and you know... It's lost. You can't find it. For instance, uh, you know, Sunday mornings are the calmest. I know everybody can witness to this. We're getting up. Everything's smooth. Everything gets dressed, works right. We get in truck or car and we come to church. Everything's on time. Right. Yeah, right. So Cass and I and the boys are getting in the truck, right? Uh, And we get in there and I realize... I don't have the keys, right? I don't have my keys to get it, even get back in the house. The house is locked. The truck's not running. And the look on Cass's face says it all. I'm not kidding. Like, it is. <laughs> so the only way to get in is to raise the garage door up, right? So up goes the garage door in the house, and I'm in there frantically looking for these keys. Because when I got out of the truck, I look over at Cass and this the comic strip come up with that little cloud, you know, like, and it's like, if this was me, he would be going bananas right now, right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, I know, and they know, we're all in the same place here, and so I go in, and I'm frantically looking for the keys, and in the living room, in the bedroom, in the counter, and guess what? I get in the kitchen, and I'm like, they're in my pocket. <laughs> the whole time they're in my pocket, right? So I'm not telling this at all. They were in the house somewhere, right? No. <laughs> so I find the keys, right? It's something that in that moment, the keys were the most important thing to me in that moment to find them keys. There was no way to get to church. There was no way to get anywhere. And so... Tonight, if I had to title the message, um, I would title it Lost and Found. Um, 
see. The text I want to talk about is uh, Luke 15 tonight. Um, in the start of the chapter, Jesus is talking to two different crowds of people here. And he's talking to the religious leaders, the great leaders. And then he's talking to the Pharisees, which is the sinners, the bad people. And he's talking to them in this whole text. And so, just to kind of bring it to what he's... This is what Jesus is telling. Hey, this is why I do what I do. This is what I'm about. So at the start of the chapter, Jesus is telling the parable of the shepherd with the 99 sheep. Actually, the 100 sheep. And he loses the one. And he leaves the 99 to go to the one. Doesn't make, looking the outside looking in, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would he leave 99 to go for one? But that's how it works. That's how it is. He, he's got to go to that one. I'm going to kind of relate this, another story, um, to relate it and how we would look at it today. Um, say Cass and I are going on a field trip with Jensen and we're going to the zoo. So we all get there, we meet at the school or wherever we're going from and we get in the bus and we do a head count. 23 kids. All 23, we count them, they're there. So we head out. We get, get going down the road, we get to the zoo, get out, everybody's still there. We go, um, go out throughout the day. We come to lunch, everybody does a head count again. There's 23. Thank you, Jesus. We have 23. We made it half the way, half the day. So we're going. So we go, we go out in the zoo. We finish up the day. Later that evening, we come in. We come in and we get in the bus and we count 22 kids. Eh, is it all right? I mean, we could just leave them, right? I mean, kid wasn't really listening anyway, so no, we can't lose them. We go frantic, right? I mean, we... We go crazy. We send out alerts, amber alerts. We call the cops. We call the zoo security. Why? Because they deserve to be found. One deserves to be found. Later in the chapter, we find this woman that has ten coins and she loses the one. At first, I really thought, Man, that's kind of crazy, you know, that she would be that worked up over one when she had the nine. And I still, I, gra I can't grasp around what it is. And then I, I heard this story. Um, today, I actually heard this story. And so this guy has a $20 bill out. And, he, and it, this $20 bill has a stamp from our government. That its value is worth $20. That might be questioned some point today, but okay, as far as, but it does have a face value of $20. And um, he can, you can take that $20 and you can wad it up, you can stomp on it, you can throw it away, you can mark on it, but even though that's lost, the value hasn't changed on it one bit. That, that bill was still worth $20, even though it's lost. But once it's found, the value is still what it was when it was lost. And that, that really hit me today, I thought. And that was definitely on, not on my notes, so I'm just kind of going off the cuff on this one. Um, but it really hit me to think, 
how, how, how much we put, especially our mind on money instead of our heart on souls. It, it hit me hard today. And uh, so I thought about that woman when she was searching and she was going through, and it says she lit a lamp. And, and so that tells me she had been looking for a long time and it was starting to get dark and she was frantically looking through the house, but she found the coin. She found that one lost item. It's, not, it's, it's a little different. These two stories are a little different because they have, they have a, a number of items and their set is not complete until they find that one item. And so once they found it, they found that one item, it completed their set. It's not like the keys I talked about earlier where it was the only thing I had, the only way I had to do it. But they still had one lost item that's value was still the value. It was just wasn't found. And this error was a common teaching for Jesus to tell parables, um, usually three of them at a time. And um, do you want me to just take the handheld, Kevin? That way this thing ain't, I'll just use it. Sorry. See, I told you. He don't want, he don't want me to do this. And, and I'm not going to stop. If I got to sit up here and we got to be here all night, I'm not going to stop. So Jesus tells these three stories, and typically he uses the first two stories to set up the last, right? So the first story, the shepherd has the hundred sheep, loses the one. He leaves the 99 and finds it. The item is found. Let's have a party, right? Woohoo! We found that item, right? Okay, the second story is the woman lost her one coin out of the nine or out of the ten. She found it. I mean, it deserves to have a party when you find that lost item. These stories, like I said, they are similar to complete the set. Now let's look at the third parable. This is where I'm kind of coming to as far as the, uh, the gist of what I'm talking about. The first two parables was, in, I mean, it, I'm sorry. First two stories were supposed to be uh, setting up. Um, Jesus was telling the parable of the prodigal son, but he pulls a quick one. He pulls a really quick one on the people. And uh, in the story, the son's not really lost. He's a jerk, right? Like he... <laughs> He's breaking every rule. He's taken everything. He's done stuff that he wasn't supposed to. He's broken all the rules. He's disgraced his family. Back in that time, it was Jewish law that, uh, that you, a son couldn't receive his inheritance until the father had passed away. Um, and furthermore, it was also a law that the older son, the firstborn, would, would receive a double portion. So an equivalent, this kind of sounds like the younger son's just saying, I wish you were dead, Dad, basically. So let's read, let's read Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
So the father did so. He divided it and gave the son his por- like more than his portion. The, the, the older brother was hurt, broken. I can only imagine I can only imagine the feeling as the younger son left and the older son watched him. What hurt, what, uh, what anger rose up, right? I mean, he just took what was mine. It says that the younger son took his portion and left and went to a distant land. And he spent everything, he wasted everything, squandered it on stuff that was foolish. Nothing really mattered. And in this land, while all this was going on, a a, a major famine hit. And he realized he made a major mistake. So he has to get a job. And a lot of us know the story, but he, he gets a job slobbing hogs just to survive. The sun was about as low as he could get. I mean, he was at the rock bottom. How many times do we all make mistakes and get in the wrong direction? At the very bottom of where there's only one thing that can help us get turned around. So the only thing he had to eat at this time was what he was feeding the hogs, which was slop. While this was going on, and I can only imagine, as I have two young sons, the father is at home every morning. And he's looking out. And he's praying, God, please, please bring my son home. No matter what he's done, God. No matter where he's at, bring him home. And every morning, day after day, the father got up. And he was thinking of his son, and he was praying, and he was watching that horizon. Every day. And I can only imagine... The father sees a silhouette coming out the horizon. And he knows without a shadow of a doubt that that's his son. The boy had wasted everything, was broken, desperate. But he knew I could get something to eat at my father's house. It's always relating back to home. And I know right now I could stop and my mom and dad would drop everything they got. And everything that's important in life, if they seen I need something, and they would feed me. And I can only imagine as his father sees his son coming and, and he's, he, he don't know what to do at the moment. But then it says he gets overwhelmed. gets overwhelmed but and he 
He not only gets overwhelmed, but he runs to his son. Because his son's not lost anymore. He's found, he's found his way back home. When you've lost something that's super, super valuable, when you find it, no, not when you find it, it deserves to be found. And when it comes home, it deserves a party. Right? It says the angels rejoice for the one that comes home. The kingdom of God reminds us that everyone is valuable and deserves to be found. Listen to me this evening. There's two parts to this story, or two sides. You might find yourself in one of these two places. You might find yourself in that older brother's place in the story. That somebody's done something to you. That you're bitter and you're angry and you're frustrated. And don't know if you can forgive what they've done. Then there's the other side. That you're the the younger son that's broken, beaten down, humbled, a disgrace, feeling like you're not worth anything. You know you deserve everything you got coming to you. You think you're not worth anything, but I'm here to tell you tonight you are. You deserve to be found. God loves you right where you're at. Just like the father in this story, as he sees his son coming running, he sees him walking. He comes running to him. It's like God. God's like the father in this story. When he sees us broken and when he sees us humbled and we turn and we come to him, he meets us. He don't wait. He meets us right where we're at. We deserve to be found. God has forgiven us through the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross. No matter what we've done, no matter what kind of junk we're carrying, what kind of burdens behind us or on our shoulders, Jesus paid the price for all of us. Let's be honest with tonight. Both of us have a little bit of both of these in us. I know I've had people say stuff to me and tell stuff to me. And I've been angry. I've been hurt. Didn't want to forgive. And then I've been on the other side. Done things I wish I wouldn't have. Been broken, been humbled. And realize that that's the only way to get back is to come home. The Bible says, 1 John 
1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Woo, that means every bit of junk, every single thing, He will forgive us for that. Worship team can come back up. It's hard to do. Got to follow wrong to my wife. I've been a mess down there the whole service. So, as they're coming, I have a story that means so much to me. And I'm going to share this story. As I'm bringing this down, and, um, my uncle Doyle Ryder was a Nazarene preacher. Very, very special man to me. But he took me in, um, started teaching me about hunting, started teaching me about landmarks and things to be aware of. That way, if you ever get somewhere and you're turned around, if you notice something that you've already pinpointed, then you can find your way out or at least know somewhere of what you are, where you're at. Um, he was big on showing me things and, and, and making me notice um, things just so that if I did get it, I turned around, I could find my way out. So one day we went on this deer drive and... Uh, of course, that means him sitting down at a stand and me doing all the driving, <laughs> all the working, running around, which was fine. He, he, he had a lot of health issues and breathing uh, issues. but So he, he sat up on the bank here and he got in the stand and he told me what to do. And he told me how to come around this point. So being, I think I was only 13 at the time probably shouldn't have been going around there to start with but, but he had all the faith in the world well he was teaching me something and I didn't realize so I start around the hill and it starts raining pretty good and the fog rolls in and I, I just keep pushing I'm like yeah I'm, I'm good and looking around and, and eventually I find myself lost I mean, I am lost. I have no clue how to get anywhere. And we're in these big woods and everything looks the same. And I'm, I got glasses and I'm trying to keep them clean and they're fogging up. So I'm t I finally stop. And I mean, I'm panicking right now. I'm lost. I have no clue how to get anywhere, get back home. So I stop and I clean my glasses. I mean, I'm struggling to get them clean. Everything's wet from the rain. And I finally get them clean. And I look up. Being raised in church, I knew. I knew to go home. So I stopped right there and I said a prayer to God. I said, God, I need your help. I need you to help me get back home. I'm lost. I need you to help me. And I look over, and I, in the distance, I see this really big tree. 
And it was a landmark that I, a couple years before that, I helped my uncle cut firewood. And I named it the big beech tree. It was a really big beech tree. And beech was, really big beech was on the ground all around it. And I mean, it was humongous. I got over to the big beech tree. And I knew where I was at. I knew where I had to do to go home. And I seen that road at the tree. There's an old logging road that come up. And I knew if I could get to that tree that I could find my way home. And I got over to the tree. Falling and stumbling over stuff. Couldn't see because my glasses were fogging. But I knew that if I got to that tree. So then I got to the tree. And I ran from that tree. I mean, I sprinted. It was probably a mile and a half. I never stopped. I knew how to get home. And I ran as hard as I could run. I got up to the house. And it reminded me as, as my dad and my uncle taught me. When you're lost, there's always a tree that will get you home. Right there. It's where Jesus laid down and He paid the price and He took the nails in His hands. <laughs> Sorry. Right now, I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to ask you if you're at a place in your life where you're not sure where you're at. You're not sure what tomorrow holds. I'm going to ask you to step out. I'm going to ask you to come down front because you deserve to be found. Jesus is waiting. If you come down, I promise you won't be embarrassed. I know there's a prayer team that will bring you, will come down and pray with you. Trust me, Jesus is right where you need Him to be. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, you deserve to be found. I'm so glad that I'm in a church right now that's concerned with all the lost stuff, that's concerned for that person that needs the help. And I beg of you as they do this song, I beg of you if you don't know for sure, if you would go out of here tonight and that you would not make it back home, do you know for sure that Jesus would meet you? It's a serious thing. It really is. I've never been more passionate about something in my life. So I, I pray as they sing this song that you would search your heart and if you find yourself in that place needing to know how to get home, come down here right now as they start. Right now. Don't wait. If you need God, 